This week, what starts out as friendship turns into more than it should and destroys two families, causing thousands of dollars of wasted legal fees and leaving our guest wondering if anything was ever real. Welcome to My Crazy Divorce. I'm a failure as a husband. I'm a failure as a man. It's just, I'm beautiful and I'm bright and I deserve better. It's a great day, I'm feeling good, oh, the possibilities of what I could, oh, do with the world at my fingertips, my imagination brings a smile up to my lips. Hello again and welcome to another episode of My Crazy Divorce. I'm your host, Tom Milligan. If you've listened to other episodes, you know that I spend way too much time on TikTok. I do it because it's more than entertaining. Sometimes it's educational and surprisingly inspirational. But sometimes I run across a TikTok account that just hits home for me. Usually because the creator and I share similar experiences, so I'm kind of drawn to their content. Our guest's TikTok handle is Split Home. His name is Doug. And based on the TikTok handle of Split Home, you can probably guess that most of his content is about Doug's own Split Home and his divorce. But what you can't possibly know, unless you follow us both on TikTok, is just how closely our lives mirror each other. Doug agreed to share his story with us because he believes it just might help someone going through the pain both of us have been through. Before we get into the story, remember, I'm not an attorney. So nothing in this podcast is even close to legal advice. I'm also not a therapist, so please contact a licensed and qualified professional if you find yourself in a crappy marriage or a crazy divorce. If you like our show, the best thing you can do to help is give us a five-star rating on whatever app you're listening to us on right now. That really does help get the word out. And if you have a crazy divorce story and would like to be a guest on the show... Go to MyCrazyDivorce.com and click on the Apply to Be a Guest button at the bottom of the page. All right, let's get into it. Let's start learning about Doug. So I grew up in eastern Wisconsin, uh, just about an hour north of Milwaukee. Large family. I have 10 brothers and sisters. 10? Look, I'm from Utah, so big families are pretty normal here. But 10? Doug's mom, I think out of necessity, was a stay-at-home mom. And dad worked in a factory. My dad worked at a factory for 53, 54 years. Same factory. 53 years? Man, these people do everything big. That just doesn't happen anymore. I worked there. When I was in high school, I worked second shift. So I think it was senior year. I went to school in the morning, and then I worked second shift at the factory. And I hated every second of it. I made it six months because there was a cute girl that worked there at the same same area. And it took me six months to get a date with her. And then once we went out and it really didn't go anywhere, I was like, well, I don't need that job anymore. So I quit that. So we've learned three things about Doug already. First, he doesn't like factory work at all. Second, it takes him a while to ask somebody out. And finally... He's really willing to invest in his relationships even before they start. Well, after high school, Doug moved away from Wisconsin and somehow landed in Minnesota. And I'm 19, move away, don't know anybody. I live above a, a flower shop, 
I had to walk across the roof of the garage to get to my apartment. I think one of the best things about moving to a new place is that you can reinvent yourself. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start dating a lot of people because this isn't working. I'm 19 and I haven't had a girlfriend, you know? Good for him. Play the field. Have some fun. Figure yourself out. Bravo, Doug. I put a lot of pressure on finding the right woman, you know? Oh, well, so much for playing the field. At 19, Doug's out looking for the one. And guess what happens when you go out looking for something? You sometimes find it. And then I go out the next week to Shopko and to get a toaster and, and some things. And I walk in the store and I see Missy. She's like, so she's two years younger than me. So she's 16, 17 years old at this point. And I see her and I'm like, hi. And she's like, hi. You know, and so I'm walking around the store pretty slow. I'm stalling pretty hard. I mean, I went in for two items. So it should not have taken me 45 minutes. So I'm walking back down a different aisle and I see her again. I'm like, hi again. And she kind of giggled and said, hi again. And so at this point, I'm like, well, that's now it's just going to be weird if I keep hanging around, you know. So I check out and I leave and I, I'm leaving the store and she's near the exit folding clothes. She works at Shopco, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that, but she's folding clothes with this other girl, blonde, ha blonde haired girl. And I'm leaving and she waves to me on her own. And I'm like, so then I wave and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so I get outside. So finally I leave and I go to another store. What? He left? I thought he wanted to date a lot. Come on, Doug, grow a pair. If you want to date, you got to ask her out. So I go back. Now we're talking. And I walk around the entire store and I can't find her anywhere. I'm like. Son of a, you know, and so then I see the blonde girl that she was folding clothes with by the, by the changing rooms. And so I'm like, oh, this will be, this will be easier, uh, less pressure. You know, I'll just go and talk to her about her and it'd be like high school all over again. You know? Well, of course it's like high school. You're 19 and she's folding clothes at Shopco. So I'm walking up to her. Got a whole plan in my head. Come up to the corner. There's a wall there. And Missy's standing right around the corner. And I'm like, uh. And I'm I'm a talker, so for me to be speechless was a little bit, I was confused, you know. And so finally I'm like, uh, hey, can you help me? She's like, yeah, what do you need? I'm like, I need a date. Damn. I need a date? That was smooth, Doug. And then I saw her every other day until she graduated high school and then she moved in with me and then and then that was it. At least they waited until graduation to move in together. Everyone loves a romantic engagement story, so break out the tissue. You're gonna need it. At this point, we're together for over for a year, or just a little over a year. We're together, uh, and we're like, we should get married. Wait, what? We should get married? Seriously? Remember, she's eighteen. I'm twenty. We're kids. And since we're just kids. We should have we should have a kid. Yeah, we should have a kid. Yeah, let's just have a kid. Smart. Carter was born two years after we met. Almost to the day. Uh he was at our wedding. 
Doug and Missy were still kids, but now they're married and have the first of their four children. That had to be rough. So we're, we're living an hour and a half away from my family, five hours from her family. It was definitely a struggle. I'll bet. When my twins were born, my mother-in-law moved in for the first few weeks. I don't know how Doug and Missy did it all alone. They were still so young, so I asked, why didn't you just move closer to family? We moved around a lot, I will say, because I, I am very much an a entrepreneur, free spirit kind of guy. And so, like I always tell people, I will be the best employee you'll ever have for six months. And then after that, I'm going to be a shitty employee because I get bored. I, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm bored. I want to do my own thing. And it's not, I don't feel like it's going anywhere. And I guess Doug isn't one to settle down, but maybe there were other reasons to stay away. Uh, her dad was very passive aggressive controlling. So like, you know, just do what he wants or the day's going to be miserable kind of thing. Her dad was not my biggest fan. I really can't say for sure, but I think I'd keep my distance from her family too. So how did that affect our newlyweds? What that did was it kept her and I really close because it was us. It was her and I. And it stayed that way for years. Just Doug and Missy against the world. And life was good. For a while, at least. We moved here in 2010. And our kids were in school. And so they're in a lot of stuff. Uh, we were the new faces and we we're young parents. We were barely, I mean, Missy was 24, 25. I mean, so we're young. Uh, but we met a lot of people really fast. And then we started our food business and, and met, I mean, we know everybody now. And just, I think it's just, it put too many people into our relationship. And I'm not going to say that was like, that was, I should say, I wasn't going to say it was, but it was. That was the beginning of our demise. Okay. So it's not just Doug and Missy anymore. They have kids. They have friends. That's not always bad, but it is different from what they're used to. But couples have to adjust. That is clearly not the only issue we had, but I think that was the start of the demise. Damn. Well, what happened? Well, to put it mildly, Missy got too close to one of those new friends. He, his wife, and his kids all worked for us part-time in the food business. He had a very good job, a diesel mechanic, but Missy liked them. We spent a lot of time with them, and then they started helping us more and more. And then, so, we were at this big music festival. Really big festival. We got two trucks there. We got a frozen drink truck and one of our fire trucks that did tacos. He, we, my ex and I got down there, set everything up. And then Brian, let's just call him Brian, came down with our oldest Carter and that we worked. It was an incredible night, super busy, did really well. It's like two in the morning. We're done. We've got everything cleaned up. We're going home. Missy says, well, I'm going to ride home. Brian, keep him awake. And I'm like, that's a little weird. She's like, what do you mean? That's not weird. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a little weird. She's like, it's not, it's not weird. I'm like, I don't, she's like, I don't know what, like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm tired too. 
And it's a little weird that you're choosing to ride home with him. Yep. It is weird. Trust your gut, Doug. Trust your gut. So we get home. She gets home shortly after. She comes in and she's she's all over me. I'm like, no. And I'm not, I, I'm not a jealous person. Never have been. I said, no, you're just going to think of him. Yeah. Doug has it figured out. So how did this happen? He is a diesel mechanic, makes like 30 bucks an hour. He's taken off from his job to help at the fair every day, which he's never done before. And we pay like, we pay our friends better than most people pay people, but we pay like 14, 15 bucks an hour. So he's not going his $30 an hour job to come to the fair for, to work for half of that. I'm super stressed out, tired. Like we're working 18 hours a day for three weeks straight. And I get to watch them two just have a great time together. And I like every other day, her and I were fighting at the fair. The fair's 11 days long, the longest 11 days of my life. Even though I don't know Missy, I can just hear her saying, he's just a friend. Bullshit, Missy. Bullshit. I talked to him twice during the fair about like how this is weird. Remember earlier when I said Doug's and my life mirror each other? When my ex was having an emotional affair with one of my friends, I talked to him about it a few times. I also happened to record one of those conversations. I'll include that recording at the end of this episode if you're interested. All right, so Doug confronts Brian. And he's like, I would, like, I would never do anything that would jeopardize my family. My daughter means so much to me. Like, I would never do anything to jeopardize that. Mm-hmm. Missy's just a friend, right, Brian? What a dick. There's one day left in the fair. We go home. We hadn't been having much sex because A, we're super tired. And B, we were, I was not in the mood. We're fighting the whole time, you know, about him and her. That night we had incredible, probably the best sex we've had in five years. Well, okay then. At least that was a fun night. I hope they both slept well because this shit's about to get real. We get in the car and we're headed to the fair. To clean up. I mean, it takes four or five days to clean up everything from the fair, you know. We leave in Story City, and I sent her a link to a 30-day sex challenge, which we've done before. We very rarely ever finish them because it is actually pretty hard to have sex for 30 days in a row. I have to admit, I can't even imagine having sex 30 days in a row. But I'd sure like to try someday. It took her like three seconds after she got that link. To tell me she wanted a divorce. Well, that escalated quickly. This episode of My Crazy Divorce is sponsored by OurDivorce.com. When I got divorced about 20 years ago, it took 19 months and $40,000. So in the fall of 2019, when I was, well, compelled to get another divorce, and even though I had a lot more to lose... I didn't want to spend the money or waste another year and a half of my life going through it. So I sat down and wrote up a divorce plan. I knew that if my wife and I could work together just one last time, we could get through it quickly and without attorneys. The result? Our papers were ready to file just a couple of days later. So instead of spending a year and a half getting divorced, I've spent that time perfecting my plan and making it available to everyone on OurDivorce.com. For just $299, OurDivorce.com's proprietary three-step process 
guides divorcing couples through the entire divorce process, and provides the divorcing couple with a complete set of divorce papers, along with easy-to-follow filing instructions for their state. $299 is a great price, but our divorce doesn't charge anything to use their service unless it works for you. Will your attorney make that guarantee? If you or someone you know is thinking about divorce, visit OurDivorce.com today to get started for free. That's OurDivorce.com to get started today. Now let's remember the timeline here. Just the night before, Doug and Missy have the best sex of their lives, so I'm sure Doug is feeling like things are at least okay between them. So the very next morning, just a few hours after this amazing sex, and before they leave for the fair, he sends her a link to a sex challenge that they'd done before. And her response is, I want a divorce. And I'm like, just shocked. You know, I mean, I knew that there was something that I didn't like going on, but I never thought it was like, break up your family type stuff, you know? Sometimes it's hard to see what's going on right in front of your face. We did couple stuff together. Like we were, we were, uh, we went uh, tubing, river tubing two, three weeks before that as a foursome. Damn, that hurts. But let's get back to the story. Remember, Missy had just let Doug know she wanted a divorce while they were on their way to work. Awkward. We go to the fair. We... I kind of worked on one stand, she worked on the other. So just on purpose, kind of just, you know, and several times during the day, she'd come back over and check on me and, you know. Gee, Missy, thanks for checking in. It means a lot. So by that afternoon, we weren't really talking about it anymore. And then the ride home, we didn't talk about it at all. We get home, kind of just not talking about it. She says, well, I'm going to go school sh- finish school shopping for the, for the kids. So, no, you know, normal, completely normal for her to go off and do that. And she's getting ready to leave. And she comes out of the bedroom and she looks incredible. Uh-oh. Hour passes. I get a text from his wife. Hey, uh, is Missy home? I'm like, nope. She's like, where is she? School shopping. She's like, did anybody go with her? I'm like, nope. Why are you asking these questions? And then she responds. She's like, well, Brian went to get dog food two hours ago. Won't answer his phone. and has him in the back. And I'm like, you know, at this point, as victims of infidelity, we try to justify everything. We actually gaslight ourselves to avoid the pain we know is about to happen. Doug just put it all together, but still hopes she's actually school shopping. So I look at the phone and, and her, her phone's in a place that's not anywhere near a Walmart or a Target. So what to do? And I'm... Insanely jealous at this point, jump in the car, drive to where her phone is. It's not around calling a hundred times, you know, she's not answering. He won't answer his phone. She won't answer her phone. Finally, she turns her phone back on. She calls me and I'm like, what? I'm like, you're with him, aren't you? She's like, yes, I was. I needed to talk to him. I needed to talk to him. What? I'm just so mad madder than i've ever been in my life insanely jealous at this point just hurt jealous mad i'm like where are you and she tells me i'm like just pull over i'll meet you there because i like i don't want to talk to her at this point anymore i need a minute you know 
So I pull into the parking lot where she's at and I jump in the passenger seat of the expedition and I'm like, what's going on? That's a fair question. So how did she respond? I want to, I want to work on us. I don't know about you, but I just threw up a little in my mouth. I want to work on us. <laughs> don't buy it, Doug. I can't hardly even be mad because I got, you know, that's what I wanted, right? Doug, how can you be so blind? I didn't know at that time that work on us pretty much meant I'm not going to move out because I'm not ready to move out. I don't have all my ducks in a row. I'm going to keep talking to them every day. I'm going to lie to you about it. And you can't be upset because we're working this out. Oh, yep. He gets it. So why lead him on? Why did she say she wanted to work it out? They both knew they weren't ready. They didn't have all their stuff ready. This all happened overnight, you know. And six weeks later, Doug was served with divorce papers. I was not ready to just be like, okay, you're having an affair with this guy. You got to go. No, I was not. I'm like, my family is my family. Like, this is important to me. But he had a plan. I immediately tell her, I'm not living with you and going through a divorce with you. Like, that's insane. She wanted to stay living together because she didn't. I mean, she didn't have her, she didn't have the, she didn't think she had the means to do it, to move out. I thought that the struggle of being on her own and like missing the family unit might make her reconsider. And for that to work, Doug needed to buy time. She needs, she clearly needs time to come to her senses, right? And I did everything I could do to slow it down. Hmm. So how did that work out? I I failed to really consider the fact that that just gave them more time to be together. The more I resisted, the more she pulled away, and the more money it cost. Seriously, is there an instruction manual these people are using? This one hits way too close to home. At some point, we all realize that no matter how badly we want things to be different, it's time to bite the bullet and admit failure. That was October 12th was the day that she was no longer willing or interested in being kind or mm, a team. Finally, now that Doug knew what was going on, he just wanted to get it over with. So he made a settlement offer. There's a lot of people that have a problem with like cashing out their ex when they leave or paying child support. I don't. That I gen I genuinely don't have a problem with that. Like she built this life with me. We had nothing when we got together and she built it with me. I mean, I thought I offered actually a fair fair deal and, and she ended up actually getting less than what I actually offered that day. I hear that so often. People who fight during the divorce usually end up getting less than the original offer. So just how much did Doug and Missy waste? I've only paid for my attorney, not hers. And I paid over 17000 for my attorney. That's 17000 and a year of his life gone. I asked Doug if he thought it was worth it. I think it was a big waste of money. I could have gave her the seventeen grand. At least it would have went to benefit my kids. I agree. What a waste. What's crazy is how emotional cheaters convince themselves that they're not actually cheating. People that are that are stuck in an emotional affair, 
they do such a good job of justifying it, not justifying it, um, downplaying it because they weren't physical. They're like, no, it's not an affair. We, we weren't, we never had sex. We never did any of that. That's irrelevant. If you ask me, like she, he was the first person she talked to in the morning and the last person she talked to at night. That is the definition of an emotional affair. Even though Doug and Missy were still married, still having sex, and raising their children together, Doug was now in competition for Missy's friendship and emotional companionship. But since there was no sex, Brian and Missy felt justified in their behavior. And sadly, Doug didn't recognize it until it was too late. And that is why emotional affairs always hurt worse than physical affairs. But whether it's a sexual or emotional affair, cheaters always have an excuse. They will always blame their partner somehow. So what did Missy have to say? She didn't like how I treated her when we worked together. But I treated her like all the other employees. But for me, I'm able to come home and she's my wife now. She couldn't do that. You know, the worst thing probably for us was working together. I wasn't like super kind and delicate, but she was my wife and I probably should have still been super kind and delicate. Really, Missy? Doug wasn't nice at work? Ha! And my ex said I was too nice. Both excuses are bullshit, but most cheaters are very good at gaslighting. They make us believe that we're at fault, that whatever we did or didn't do somehow justifies their behavior. I was so taken in that I actually apologized to my ex. How embarrassing. Doug was better than me. He wasn't buying it. This is how he calls Missy out. You've convinced yourself that I'm this awful person and you had no choice but to leave. How do you convince yourself that you had no choice but to rip her home apart? Man, I'd love to hear her answer to that one. I asked how her relationship is with the kids. Doug held nothing back. My kids are very lucky to have an incredible mom. She's not the same mom as she was. The entire time that we were together and we had children, the kids were number one priority. They are no longer number one priority. Now it's her and Brian are number one. Which, in my opinion, doesn't make her as good a mom as she was. Also, what she's teaching them about values and ethics and, like, that that you can't be as good a mom. Like, a lot of my TikToks get a lot of backlash from women when I say that. They are very defensive. And they don't even know her. And they are super defensive. But I don't know how anybody can argue that. Like, I'm not saying she's a shitty mom, but you can't do what she's doing and done and be as good a mom as you were. That's just not how it works. Like, our job is to raise them to be moms and dads. And if you're teaching them to be angry, manipulative, like vengeful, like, and to not like to sneak around and lie to your spouse and like, like. She might not be like handing them a test and being like, hey, this is what you got to do. But they're watching and they're they're learning from watching. He's not wrong. Our kids learn from watching us. But now that it's over, how are Doug and Missy getting along? It's honestly gotten worse every day since the, since the decree's been signed. Like, it's just, it's a, 
I try not to do it. I try my best not to do it, but it's a chess game. It's a pawn game. It's like, how much can I try? It's like, I don't understand how someone can be your soulmate and your partner for so long and then be your enemy and want only bad things for you. Last year, when she registered the kids for school, she put me as the fifth, fifth emergency contact for our kids, the fifth. And our family's not around here. So it was her, her best friend, and then two other friends that we haven't, that weren't really in our lives for a few years. And then me, like you can't accidentally do that. Our oldest is a senior. She planned his senior pictures when I couldn't be there. I know there are a lot of deadbeat dads out there, but did you hear the emotion in Doug's voice? He truly wants to be an active father but she's proactively excluding him from their lives. Everyone should hate hearing that. But it's not just the kids missing from his life. I don't know if it's always that way in families, but like when I grew up, my dad's family was the family that we did everything with. Her family was the family we did everything with. So not only did I lose my wife, but I lost the extended family that I did everything with. I feel that one pretty deep as well. You know, it's very common for victims of emotional infidelity to wonder if their spouse ever loved them. Doug still wonders. I'm pretty sure she was into me as fast as I was into her. I mean, she never... I, as I say that, though, men and women are not good communicators to each other. And clearly, I knew, like, skipping to the end, I had no idea. So maybe I had no idea early on. I don't know. Man, it hurts to hear that, because I just know how it feels. Usually, I try to keep my own experience largely out of our conversations, but this one just hit way too close to home. It was almost impossible to separate my story from his. If there's one thing to take away from today's show is that affairs are never justified, and they always cause pain. Even if you're never caught... You have to live with the knowledge that you've betrayed your children, your parents, and your spouse, who you promised never to betray. But most importantly, you've betrayed yourself. You know what you've done is wrong. You know that there are no excuses. You know it's your fault. But you're all too prepared to blame someone else, right? If you've had an affair, emotional or sexual, end it now. Confess your betrayal to your spouse and beg for their forgiveness. They deserve your honesty for a change. Remember, keep listening if you want to hear the conversation between my ex-wife's special friend. It really hurt at the time, but with the benefit of time, I can laugh at how transparent and ridiculous he sounds. I hope you like it. A special thanks to Doug for sharing his story with us today. Ratings and reviews are the currency of the podcast world, so if you liked this week's story, the best thing you can do is rate and review us on whatever application you're listening to us on right now. If you'd like to share your crazy divorce story on My Crazy Divorce, just go to MyCrazyDivorce.com and click on the Apply to Be a Guest button at the bottom of the page. I'd love to hear from you. See you next week, everyone. It's a great day, I'm feeling good, oh, the possibilities of what I could, oh. Doing the world at my fingertips My 
imagination brings a smile up to my lips. I'm going to tell you a couple of things, and then I hope we can have a, a you know, a civil discussion. Sure. <clears throat> I really want to hate you. I really do. Um, but to be honest, right now, I just kind of feel bad. Not just kind of. I feel bad. And I... Uh, I feel bad, too. This turned into something that it... I mean... <laughs> uh, it turned into something that I didn't expect it to turn into and don't know how it did, to be honest with you. Yeah. How romantic did it ever get? It never got romantic. That was what... That's what... When I say this turned into something that it... it, it that it wasn't, that's what's just completely boggling my mind. All we did was commiserate. That was it. That was mostly me, to be quite honest. It was mostly you? Sure. I thought I thought you said that she... She initiated the conversation, but I was the one who was really unhappy, so I was the one who was doing most of the complaining. So, you know, it, it was just... We, I guess you, there's no really other way to say it. I guess we just had a connection. And I felt comfortable talking to her. So I opened up about my marriage and that was it. Nothing more than that. You never told her you found her attractive? No. Did she tell you she found you attractive? No. That wasn't discussed. It was, I'm unhappy. I don't even know how we got into it. I mean, it... it we were talking on WhatsApp. She was doing that. That's what she said, and and something was said, and 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 then I texted her, and then it was just a discussion about our marriages. But there was nothing romantic about it. So here's my question. Mm -hmm. So you come out to our place. We go out to dinner. Mm -hmm. You texted both of us very nicely and politely and said, thanks, it was wonderful to get to know you. We both responded, and then obviously you and I, that was the end of our texting behavior, mm -hmm. but then you and traded texts, literally hundreds of them, um, mm -hmm. over the next several days. Um, no, I think it was one day. No, I'm sorry, I, I've got the texts, I mean, not the texts, I've got the phone records. And it was literally, it started Monday morning while I was still in the air on the way to San Francisco. That For some reason, that hurts a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other one that hurts just as bad is that you guys were texting all through the Packers game while she was texting with me. You feel how I can feel like I'm being used or being shared? Um, sure. I, I feel like I'm competing with you to be her best friend. That's not the way this is supposed to work. I'm not going to deny that. Which Either is why I told her on Monday we're not going to be talking outside of work. And have you? No. So, here's a question for you, since you're clearly very close to her right now. Mm -hmm. Can well, I say? I wouldn't. I would not say that I'm close to her right now. We we spoke, you know, for a week, week and a half, and then now we're not. Well, but during that time period, she confided a lot in you. We confided a lot in each other. Sure. What I care about right now... Is saving I, your marriage. I'm saving my marriage. And sure. so when I, say, when I say to you, she confided in you, it's because that's what I care about. I hope you understand that. 
Um, I, I understand it. Okay, so now having said that, since she has commiserated with you because she did open up to you because she did tell you every detail about what's going on, apparently. Can I save it or not? Yeah, I think you can. I think she clearly loves you. I was just a convenience. Right? I mean, that's all it was. I was a convenience. Somebody who would listen to her that, you know, that didn't have any of your history, didn't know anything about you guys, but, you know, I guess that she found me easy to talk to. It was just pure convenience. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that just made it, I think, easier for her because I didn't have any preconceived notions and I didn't, and I wasn't judging her, quite frankly. Um, like I said, I, I want to hate you, but I don't. Um, Look, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sure I told you, um, and I'm, I'm sure your wife told you. Uh, I got a lot of respect for you. I like you. I like you as a person. Forget business. I respect you as, you know, as a guy who has built a, an entire business here. I like you. I do. I would, I would love to hate you, but I won't, and I can't. You know, not to be... Um, this is going to come out sounding like a complete asshole. It's not intended that way. But my my attitude was there was nothing here that could be interpreted as illegal or moral or unethical. Nothing. So from that perspective, I wasn't really worried about it. From a perception perspective, could I have dealt without anybody saying anything? Yeah, and I would prefer not to have anything said because nothing needs to be said. There's nothing going on here that was nefarious. Nothing. Now, well, did you, you know, snuck did around? I, you hit it. You did some stuff that yeah, makes it look bad. Look, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and deny that I hit it. But I have a wife who has a track record of. Believing that something is going on when nothing is going on. And I don't want to have those conversations. So, yes, did I hide it? Yes. Do I wish I didn't? I'll put it this way. I wish I didn't get caught. I'll put it that way. Because all we were doing was confiding in one another. That's it. Okay. I guess what I'm going to ask you, guy to guy. Sure. Um, you don't even just say it because I'm already doing it. No, no, no. Not talking to her outside of work. Let me handle my marriage. Um, uh, look, <laughs> um, I had two meetings with her today where we were on with other people. I, there's no opportunity to talk to her. We have one, one on one a week. Um, that'll be it. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about business and that'll be it. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. I, and I appreciate that. So just understand, I love my wife more than anything. Um, clearly and I'm willing to do whatever it takes including living in this fucking um, one I, I checked into the Ramada Inn um, one step below homeless shelter so I moved up <laughs> one steps two steps up and so I'm now in the in extended stay America which is one step above a homeless shelter um, and this is what I'm willing to do um, to to try and save this and I uh, can I can I give you a piece of advice? Please. 
forgive her for Chris. I forgave her 20 minutes after I found out. Did she tell you how that all came about? Did she give you the detail? About how you found out or uh-huh. about how you... Um, yeah, but honestly, I... I found lingerie in her suitcase. Oh, uh, that's what it was. She, you, uh, you unpacked her suitcase. To do her and laundry. She, and, she, and she said that you never did that before. Either one time that you did, there was lingerie in her... Was it her backpack or her suitcase? Suitcase suitcase and, and then she said all hell broke loose yeah because so she gets home she has a cold I drug her up put her to bed and i'm sitting there it's like 8 30 at night so it's not like i'm ready for you're bed trying to, you're trying to be a nice husband I'm trying to be a nice husband said i'll just have her laundry done for her when she gets up in the morning what a great guy i am um and i see that lingerie and i said i literally i laid it out and i sat there staring at it for about an hour i'm like what the fuck um, and I, and, and I'm going, well, there's no good explanation. So I go upstairs and I wake her up and I said, what the fuck is this? Her response was, you went through my stuff. Hold on. Hello. Oh, oh yeah. I'll be down a couple. Thanks. I didn't notice that. Bye. Can I call you right back?